The University of Texas at Austin is filled with incredible people who do amazing things for our community. Make Me Love What You Do is a chance to hear some of their funny, moving, and surprising stories. Did you ever have a teacher who taught in a way that you never knew was possible or allowed and blew your mind? Meet Dr. Kate Bieberdorf, AKA Kate the Chemist, professor of chemistry and a regular celebrity on the talk show circuit. And I'm Emil Kressel, I'm the director of learning and development here at the University of Texas at Austin. Dr. Bieberdorf, make me love what you do. So how long have you been at UT? Well, officially, I came in in 2008 um, as a graduate student, but oh, I've been wow. teaching since 2014. That's when I officially joined the faculty. Okay, wow. I didn't realize that. So talk to me about UT. Like, what do you, what do you like about UT? What do you love about UT? I know it's so different over this past year, but you know, what uh, is amazing to you about the University of Texas? Well, there are several things. I mean, but to me, because I interact with the freshmen, I love our students. They're just amazing. I, the, their questions they ask, the way they approach material, the way they think about the chemistry. I just love it. It's so fascinating. And as I get older and the technology changes a little bit, their questions change and the way they approach the material changes. And so it keeps me on my toes and I love interacting with them. And it's such an honor when then three or four years later, they re they reach out to me and they ask for a letter of recommendation, or maybe they just update me and say they're now in grad school or they're going to med school. And it just feels so good to be part of their journeys because it's you, you kind of feel like you have a bigger impact, right? Because now what's that person going to go do? Um, hopefully do something with science as well. Yeah. So that surprised me when you said that their questions change. I mean, I sort of would think, you know, it's chemistry. Like how, how do their questions change? Well, so when I started, it was a lot of like in, in this app, like, you know, this one is really popular. It was a Pictionary app that was going on. And so they wanted to know how it worked and how you could draw and the tech of going back oh, and I forth. See. Now it's more like TikTok and how you do editing and things like that. And so their questions are just have to do with what's going on in the world. And a lot of it has to do with what is in the news as well. So when I was teaching chemistry in context, which is our chemistry for non-majors course, well, it's changed since then, but it was at the time, um, was when that big Volkswagen scandal went out when they had the emissions oh, right. and there was all that. And I don't, you know, I don't, I hate I don't like bringing up bad things or anything, but that's what happened. And so yeah. my students started asking me about it and they were like, well, what's going on? What does it mean with the emissions? And I was like, well, we happen to have an entire unit on the air you breathe that we're going to talk about pollution. And so they were all in, they were so interested because it was relevant. Um, but I, again, that was the most interest I've ever had in that unit ever, never again, never after that. It was just because that it was relevant because usually they don't care about pollutants as much. It's just like, it's kind of hard to get students jazzed about it. Um, but when it was in the news and it was totally relevant, they were all in, which was so fun. That's really interesting. I want to return to that topic because you, I've heard you talk a lot about applying knowledge. So I want to, we'll get back to that a little bit later. So did you ever think that you might be doing something different with your life? Was it always going to be Kate the chemist? No, 
Not at all. <laughs> I had no idea, to be honest. When I was really little, I always told my parents I wanted to be a McDonald's person, which I think I meant work at McDonald's. So that yeah. was the dream. Um, uh-huh, sure. So I have yet to achieve that, to be honest. Um, but there, there's always been little pieces or little indications that have led me to a certain pathway. So I remember a moment with my sister when I was in high school. She was really struggling with this problem. She was she was crying. She was frustrated. And it was one of those math problems. And I'm two years older. And so you know how math builds on it. And so I was able to yeah. just solve it really quickly and then guide her through it, teach her how to do it. And then she was like, okay, thanks. I was like, no, no, come back here. Like you're having such an emotional thing. I need to like, let's do one more. Um, and so I gave her the hardest one possible that I could think of and she nailed it like within seconds, just nailed it. Like with no mistakes or anything like that. And her confidence just bam. Like I remember I like so vividly how she responded to that and how, how she felt good about it and how she, I knew she would be good. I knew she'd be able to do that problem on an exam or a test. And that moment has stayed with me forever. And I was 17, something like that. So there's a lot of moments like that where I've been tutoring or anything like that, where I knew this is, this is what I'm meant to do. For some reason, I can translate the material easily. I can teach people how to do it. And then when they figure it out, it feels so good. Magic, and I love right? being part of that. Yes. Yeah. And then they're yeah, proud I'm... of themselves and they feel better. And like when they walk in your office crying and then they walk out happy, like, oh, that feels good. So very early on, it was you kind of knew that it was going to be about helping people understand stuff. But then eventually it evolved. So do you have a moment where you can think back and and like that was the moment where I where you knew it was going to be chemistry, like the true chemistry? Yes, definitely with chemistry. So I was very fortunate my sophomore year of high school that I had a very good chemistry teacher, Mrs. Palsrock. Um, I actually dedicate my book that's coming out in July to her. Um, it's nice. a, The book is called It's Elemental, The Hidden Chemistry and Everything. And I'm explaining that, yeah. chemistry to the world. It's kind of a pop science book. And I dedicated it to my chemistry teacher because nice. she's the one who inspired me. And so when I was 15, like she's running around the classroom, lighting stuff on fire, being just a, a dork, a lovable dork. I mean, it in such yeah. the best way. Um, yeah. And I just fell in love with the, the material and I just never looked back. Okay. So that was a big influence where you kind of felt like uh, chemistry was going to be a big part of your life. What would you say to other people about why this seems like an odd question, but why is chemistry important? Like why should people pay attention to chemistry or know about chemistry? That's my favorite question. Oh, that okay. is such a challenge because to me, it's like, <laughs> all right, here we go. Um, because yeah, it's everywhere. Yeah. It's it's in everything, everything you can see, touch, feel, interact with it. It has atoms, it has molecules, and therefore it's chemistry. And so in the book, what I do is I talk you through the busiest day of, the li- of your life. So from breakfast to working out to a uh, happy hour to cleaning the house. And it's just, I show every single example that's fun, that my students usually like, that my friends usually like. And I talk about that in highlight it because it honestly it's everywhere there's if it exists it has atoms and molecules and that's 100 percent chemistry yeah other subjects like other sciences try to steal our stuff sometimes but i i take it back in the book and i'm like this is all chemistry y'all how, how, what, what do you mean give me an example what how does this turn oh, steal just away? like biology they try to come in there with their microbes <laughs> and their bacteria and they try you know i just we can always but it's take always really back to about it. chemistry exactly so you get it <laughs> So let's talk a little bit about learning in particular. That's a little closer to my wheelhouse, but I've heard you speak about 
the theory of emotional memory. Yeah. Can you can you talk a little bit about that? So I have to go back. So my parents are psychologists. My sister's a psychologist, and so I'm the weird one, the chemist, right? I didn't want to the do anything that you with emotions. With math. Yes, yes. Um, and so I don't want to do anything with emotions or feelings or anything. I just want, is it right or wrong, like chemistry or not, you know. And so what's really fun, though, is when we go home and I talk to them about these things, there's this one theory that comes up and we're all just 100% agree on. And it's this theory of emotional memory. And essentially, it's saying if you have an emotional response to something, then you're more likely to form a memory. And so my the easiest example to talk about this is if you're driving to work and nothing happens, you're probably not going to remember that drive at all. You're not going to remember the houses you passed, the cars, any of those things, because nothing happened. You were on like autopilot. However, if you like make a wrong turn and drive into someone's house, you're going to remember that. You're going to vividly remember what happens. And so I try to take advantage of that theory or that idea. And so I do the big explosion first. Like I do the wow factor first. I blow it up. You know, I give them a heads up, obviously, because I don't want to have anybody. Sometimes I have students that are coming back from the military. Um, so I be, I'm always really respectful of anybody with PTSD or anything like that. So I always give the heads up and I'm like, all right, we're going to blow something up here. So they're watching. And then once you've done that, or once you uh, breathe fire or something, now they're in. Now they want to know because they're having that emotional response. And so I try the best I can to take about 60 seconds and, and really, that's it, about 60 seconds to explain the science in the fastest way, the most precise way, in an exciting way, so that hopefully that whole like emotional response, that memory piece is happening. So yes, they were wowed because of the explosion, but as an educator, it's that next 60 seconds that I actually care about because that's when they're going to learn. That's when they're going to understand finally the difference between heat and work or why stoichiometry matters. I love that. That's so uh, interesting to me. One of the things at learning development that we really try and encourage is just the curiosity, trying to instill just the continuous learning for anybody who works at UT. And so often the way that learning is um, promoted in any kind of institution, really, I don't mean to pick on UT, but is kind of like in training, like we need you to do this or, you know, and, and I, I think the exploration and curiosity that's when people really learn how to construct their own knowledge in their heads. So I, I, that speaks to me a lot, that theory of emotional memory. I love that. Right. Well, I think it works too. I mean, we see it. I hear we use Piazza, which is like a public discussion board, not public. It's private for our class, I should say, but public for the students. And they can chat with each other. And I love when they'll say like, remember when Dr. Bieberdorf did this or when this explosion happened and they're, they're going through what they, what they saw. And so to me, that really speaks to their learning style. So I have another theory I really believe in, which is VARK. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but V-A-R-K. So visual, oral, like listening, reading, and kinesthetic. And there, you can go online and take these quick questionnaires. I think it's like 15 questions, something like that. And it's really simple stuff. Like uh, if you're going to tell your friend how to go to the grocery store, what are you going to do? Are you going to write them a paragraph? Are you going to speak to them? Are you going to draw them a map? So it's really easy questions you can go through. And at the end, it will tell you how you teach and how you learn. And I so you can it. take that. It's so amazing. And so surprise, surprise, I'm visual and kinesthetic. So I like to show my <laughs> students um, yeah. how the chemistry moves. I I use my body all the time. I'm like, this is what the electron's yeah. doing, or this is what the proton's doing, because I want to show my visual learners exactly what's going on. And these demonstrations, these experiments really lean into that. Um, but I also, now that I'm aware of VARC and kind of aware of that theory, I'm... Uh, 
I do the best I can to make sure that I explain it. So I'm saying it so that my oral learners are hearing the explanation. And then we either follow up with a paragraph or make sure it's in our ebook or something. It has to be written so our, our readers aren't left behind either. Um, because I, I don't want to just teach to the visual and kinesthetic kids because that's not fair. You know, <laughs> you want to make sure everybody's included. Right. But isn't uh, maybe I'm just being not considerate of it. I always am trying to be considerate of other learners and accessibility, of course. But it seems to me that that visual learning and auditory learning, that that is sort of the most accessible learning, but you, maybe not. Maybe there are other people who really don't absorb uh, content that that way. I, I agree with you. I think it's the most accessible, but I know there's a lot of readers. My husband's a reader. Like he just learns that way. And once it's, once it's read, once he reads it, it's in his brain. Like now he knows it. And so there's something about that, um, that seems to work for his brain. And so because of that, probably because of him, I should just be honest, I'm aware of that. <laughs> and so I want to make sure that my readers can see it. Um, especially when I talk to them and I'm, I'm like, what's your recall? Like when you're thinking about your exam and you're taking your exam, wh- what are you doing? Are you thinking about what somebody said to you? Are you picturing a piece of paper? So stuff like that, I try to talk to them. And then once they're aware of that. It's like, okay, now we need to lean into that and figure out how can we adjust your studying habits so that you perform the best on these assessments. Um, and so for me, I'm someone who sees it. Like I see the piece of paper. So that means when I'm studying, I need to write something down so that I can have that piece of paper in my brain for my recall. Fascinating. Now, do you have students who will tell you, I, I've never learn this way. I've never had an instructor, a professor, a teacher, but it must be just so wonderful for you to hear that. Oh yeah, 100%. They are fabulous. First of all, you know, I love my students, but it's just, it's neat because you have to remember that these are freshmen. My students are freshmen and I can have a thousand of them per semester um, on my best day, right? If they all show up for class. Um, So (laughs) what I love about them is they're learning their laundry while they're learning stoichiometry. And so there's some, there's some maturity growth that's happening. And that's why I really love that particular group of students. Um, And I'm with them through that journey as they kind of go from high school student to college student. And it's just so fun. So being part of that, I knowing that I'm part of that, I try to help them a little bit. So if they send me an email that's a little rude or entitled or something, I try to fix that behavior without taking offense to it as much as I can. You know, they're within reason. Um, but there's a lot of things like that. And so if if they come to my office and they're saying, I've never learned this way, or I've never had somebody tell me to go take a VARC, um, it's like, well, okay, now you have. So let's let's move forward. Now, how are we going to adjust this? And I try to remind them, too, that they're going to have to adjust their study habits. They can't study for chemistry necessarily the same way they're going to study for biology or physics or maybe even their German classes or art history classes. So it's just you're always changing. You're always adapting. And there's nothing wrong with doing poorly on an assessment. But now you have to fix it. Now you have to adjust it. Look at your missed questions, figure out what types of questions you missed, and now adjust your study habits. Tell me about your STEM army. Oh, <laughs> it's so funny when people know about that. Okay, <laughs> so, um, so honestly, this was inspired by Taylor Swift. So around 2018, um, that's really when my career, the Kate the Chemist thing, totally kicked off, and. 
I was on uh, Stephen Colbert's show in July of 2018, and I had him breathe fire. We did elephant toothpaste. It was really, really lovely. And then I went on YouTube and read the comments about it, and most of them were positive, which was awesome. But I had this one comment that said, I finally found a role model for my 10-year-old self. And there was something about that quote that still, here we are in 2021, that I still remember that because it just like, it hit me in my stomach because I thought I didn't have a female role model that was a scientist growing up after my sophomore year of chemistry. Like that was it. What my, the, my first introduction to chemistry was by a female professor, female teacher. But after that, it was all male professors. Like no matter how how much my my male professors tried, they can't tell me what it's like to be pregnant in lab. They just can't, right? And so there are certain pieces that I really wanted to take care of, certain barriers I wanted to try to knock down. And so when I realized that I'd been given this platform, I didn't really try to necessarily be the girl on TV blowing stuff up. I didn't say no to it, that's for sure. Um, but I didn't, I wasn't out to do this. And so when it fell in my lap, I was like, I need to do something with this. And so I started thinking about what I could do. And it was right around when Taylor Swift was going around with her squad and it was like a big thing. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And so I decided to steal that idea and come up with a STEM army, not a squad. The word didn't work for me. So I decided a STEM army and I go around the, I almost said world. I wish the world I go around the U S and I collect people and I try to add them to be part of my army. And basically, we're just fun, happy people who love science and who are advocates for science. And so hopefully when we hear maybe a microaggression about science or maybe an incorrect statement, we just try to use our voice a little bit in a positive way and speak up for science. And what's really cool is I partnered with 3M um, last year and they do this survey every single year and they did it pre-pandemic and then during the pandemic before the pandemic one out of every five people so 20 percent of people were willing to be advocates for science and then since the pandemic happened it's now one out of every two people so now 50 percent of people are willing to stand up and speak up for science yeah wow. yeah it's been 20% for years and then the pandemic happened and people are realizing how important science is so it, it's really oh, empowering and nice to see uh we just got to keep it up like we can't lose the momentum so army engaged here we go yeah hopefully it won't take another pandemic to increase those numbers i know so you know it's common for faculty to publish of course um, Mm -hmm. but you also publish books that are like your demonstrations really Mm -hmm. accessible so let's talk about your books and you have a a new at least one maybe more than one coming out yes i have two coming out on tuesday may 11th i'm so excited about it so the birthday blast off is the fourth fiction book um in the installment there's five currently in the series so the fourth one's coming out and it's a little 10 year old uh, Kate the chemist and she goes around her neighborhood and solves problems using science and in this particular installment what's happening is a new friend has joined the school um, they just moved there and there's a little bit of conflict between Kate's current best friend and now the new friend has come in and it's uh, loosely based off of something that happened to me in elementary school and uh, so it's just uh, kind of that issue is what we're dealing with socially and then the big issue is what rocket are we going to do in chemistry club versus at the brother's birthday and so we have two different rockets going on so that's the main it. science um, yeah. 
so that's really fun for me because I really like the fact that kids can read this story, this fiction story. And then at the very end, I always include an experiment that the kids did in the book so that if this, the kid like read the story and they're like, oh, I actually kind of like science now, they can do the experiment and then hopefully that will hook them in and they'll continue to want to explore and learn and be hands on. But okay, now this is the part that I'm like so excited about too. <laughs> I just came out with the awesome book of edible experiments for kids. That's the other one that comes out on that. Tuesday. Yeah. And that is 25 experiments that the kids can eat. And we never get to eat stuff in chemistry. So this is like the best thing that's ever happened to me. I was able to do 25 experiments. We ate all of them. And it was just so much fun. I really enjoyed it. And so there's step-by-step instructions. And we compare things like uh, what happens when you make pasta with a whole wheat flour versus cake flour. And it all comes down to the protein molecules that are inside of the flour. Um, I also show you how to make ice cream in two different ways. So it's a lot of fun experiments. Yeah, I know, right? But it's a lot of fun experiments. <laughs> um, but I'm just trying to get the kids to see that they're doing chemistry yeah. every time you cook, every time you're in the yeah. kitchen, every time you eat, that's chemistry, science. Amazing. So are, are there gross things that you, that you make? Yeah. In the first book, the big book of experiments, I have yeah. edible snot. And I've heard that that one is gross, but also some of these boys love it and girls actually. <laughs> but some of the little boys, I'm getting very, very funny like pictures and videos uh, of like these, ugh. you know, eight year old yeah, boys yeah. all doing it once and grossing out the sisters. It's just, uh, I've really uh, enjoyed it. That's hilarious. But that, so, how many uh, total kids' books? How many are there in the series? Let's see here. So, there's five <laughs> fiction series, but only four are out. And then there's two nonfiction, so seven kids' books currently, um, but I'm hoping to do more. Amazing. (laughs) You're so so busy. It's it's really inspirational. Well, I'm happy. Amazon just picked the awesome book of edible experiments as one of their best books of May. So I'm so happy to hear that it's already well-received and it's not even out yet. Wow, congratulations. That's huge. (laughs) Thank you. Huge weight off your shoulders. You never know how your your stuff's going to be received, right? So that makes. And me I, I love the illustrations in those books too. They're so fun. Aren't they done well? Yeah. I love it. Love it. Love it. Lori uh, Thatch is the person who does it. She's amazing, yeah. and she'll send things, and I'll be like, mm, "That beaker doesn't look exactly right," and she doesn't get <laughs> mad at all. She's so nice, and comes back. It's like, "Okay, how about this?" Um, <laughs> But I just, I can't help it. I'm a scientist to the core. And if it's going to have my name on that book, that drawing is going to be 100% accurate. It's about science for sure. (laughs) Okay. Tell me about what a really great day at work looks like. Maybe you can describe a day when at the end of it, you thought, man, that was one of the best days of of my life. Oh, man. I'll give you a minute to think about it. So in 2018, I performed at the USA Science and Engineering Festival, and I was supposed to be on this stage. Um, it was it was a big stage, but they didn't really know how much how many people were going to show up. But it's in this big convention center, and so you're the you're the act, and so your voice and everything is being blasted into the entire thing. And so I'm just performing, doing my thing, and by the end, three thousand people had showed up and crowded around to watch my stuff, and it was so cool because I was doing a cold show and a hot show. So basically the cold show is full of cryogenics and the hot show is all fire. Um, so one show is on the big stage, one show is on the small stage. And so after the first show, security and fire marshals and everybody came up and they're like, um, you have to be on the big sh- stage for the next time. So it was <laughs> being promoted to the big stage and the fact that knowing that I did two two shows in a row and 3,000 people each show, so it was 6,000 
people total that we yeah. were able to interact with. They were screaming about science. The kids were screaming about science. Everybody was amped up. I did this thing where ping pong balls were shot into the air. The kids all tried to keep one. So they wanted to keep a ping pong ball souvenir because they had so much fun. And you just know that lives were changed that day where some kids now think science is cool. And now they're willing, maybe even, maybe the fact that just their mind is open to it just a little bit more. Like that's all I really want. And so I just, I know some good was done that day and it felt good. Plus I'm a performer and there was such a big crowd and we were all screaming and just like, you know, my version of a Beyonce concert. And it just had fun. It was so fun. That is fun and amazing. I saw that BuzzFeed quote. I can't remember how they put it, but something about how how you're the cooler, funner Bill Nye. Uh, Was that it? Something like that. That that sounds about right. Yeah, Yeah, it was quite a compliment because I grew up on Bill Nye. You know, they've rolled him in uh, the TV into the the room and then we (laughs) played the tape and I loved it. I'm from a small town, so it was was fun science that I never got to see anywhere else. Um, So Bill Nye came in and saved the day for me and I just, I loved it. So quite a compliment. Yeah, he's still doing some great stuff. (laughs) Yeah, I heard something cool is coming up, but I don't know what. Oh, I wow. know. Just okay. something cool. So something neat. We'll see neat. soon. Okay. So um, just a couple more here. Um, tr- tell me why I or why our listeners should love what you do. Tell me about, uh, you know, what really, not necessarily about why you love what you do. It could be the same thing, but why should we love what you do? Well, I think in general that anytime somebody loves what they do, it's easier to listen about their topic, right? So if my entire objective is to get people to fall in love with chemistry, if I love it and you can tell that I love it, you're going to maybe let me talk about it for just a minute longer before you glaze over. Um, I know that my friends, my girlfriends who have questions about science, they reach out to me. They ask me about it. And so I think when when you show that you're passionate and you love talking about science, people are more willing to reach out to you, ask their science questions. So we're breaking down barriers. We're making science fun. And I think personally, I'm helping diminish the stigma around women in STEM. Because sometimes people think that either women can't do science. I've had people in my shows yell, women can't do science before, which is like the weirdest thing. But he's a fan. The guy who does it yells it. It's like a joke. But I've had him do it. He's done it twice. And like, it's just like, what are you doing? (laughs) So it's just so these things happen that wouldn't happen to men, right? Like they wouldn't just scream that out. And so there's these little tiny little microaggressions that just get under your skin. And so my goal is that the next generation of girls will never have to hear that, that those comments aren't even made, that my seven-year-old niece will grow up and not even know that there ever was like a weird thing about women in STEM. That's the goal. Well, I think what you are doing is so important and impactful on like multiple levels. And I just, I, I think you're, you're amazing. Um, are there, are there other, is there anything else that you want to make sure that we know about before we close this out? Um, is there something, some message you want to share or something that's going on here with your life other than the books? Well, if you guys want to follow what I'm doing, you can always check out my website, which is katethechemist.com or follow me on uh, Twitter or Instagram or TikTok. I'm new on TikTok, Kate the Chemist. Go give me a follow over there. Help me out there. If you want to see me do any explosions, send me ideas. But I always suggest... Like I like to leave people with a suggestion of what they could do for science. And so my current thing, because we're getting into the summer and we need to get outside, is go on a chemistry walk. 
Take your family, take your friends, just walk around, let your kids lead this. If they're staring at something, a picture of a, or sorry, if they're staring at like a flower, take a picture of it, Google it, figure out what it is, tell them you don't know what it is. And part of being a scientist is investigating and figuring it out, having questions and finding an answer. It's totally okay as a parent to not know the answer, but go find it. And that's, that's the fun part. That's great. You know, there are some fun apps that, you know, you can identify foliage or trees. They're not, don't always work the best, but the, right. it's a good way of finding things out too. Right. Some with birds too, I think. There, I think there's one with birds. I can't remember what it's called, but I'm pretty sure there's, it's pretty cool. If you yeah, can get the picture, that's the right. problem with the birds. That's a little right. harder. <laughs> right. Make Me Love What You Do is a podcast made possible by a partnership between UT's Learning and Development Office and LAITS Development Studio. If you like what you hear, remember to subscribe for new episodes on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to share with friends, coworkers, and family so they can hear about the great things we do at the University of Texas. Thank you.